Just a reminder, everyone, the topics covered in this podcast are general in nature. They haven't taken into account your personal circumstances, and it's important to seek personal financial advice if you want to address any of the subject matter. Hello, welcome to the Money Man episode of the 1st of December 2023. I'm Money Man Steve and I'm here with Money Man Luke. Hey Luke. How are you going Steve? Good, thank you. Good. 1st of December. It's a it bit only, weird, seems isn't only, it? only a few months ago <laughs> I was saying it was December last year. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where the time's gone, but um, I'm sure, sure everyone is thinking the same thing. So we're officially into the silly season, I guess. Yes, yep, I was looking at the calendars. It was it almost looked like you know based on what's already booked in and stuff. Mm, it's mm. like you know there's eight useful days <laughs> left yeah, this yeah, month yeah. or something like that. Anyway, yeah, so um, but that, yeah, we expect that this time of the year. It's a good we? Thing. And we work, yep. work hard into the break and then uh, then have a good break and yep. come back into it in the new year. So. So again, welcome everyone, and thanks for listening and tuning in again. Um, remember to share, uh, leave a review, uh, spread the word, the movement, the money yep. man movement. Um, what's been going on in the last fortnight, Luke, with the markets, um, share markets and property markets? Well, it'd be weird to mm. think. I mean, some people might be surprised to hear that you know things are reasonably buoyant. Mm. Um, you know, in in Australia for the fortnight, it's again up. Um, half a percent yep over in the US so the S&P 500 um, up 1.3 percent and the Dow Jones um, also in the, obviously also in the US is up 2.8 percent for the okay. fortnight yep. um, so solid increases and it's interesting because remember people often forget that October is quite often just by virtue of um, market crashes that happened in the 80s October mm. can be the scary market month mm. yep. and December is often quite often the Christmas rush or yeah. the, whatever yeah. they call yeah. it the yeah. Santa rush or something like yeah. that so that's kind of played out in some respects um, but you know what what's what do we think's driven it or what do I think's driven it um, you know there's some pretty vocal noise around um, inflation peaking um, central banks you know winding back or being close to winding back on their interest rate increases so you know you know observe you know anecdotally economies still seem reasonably positive and it seems that um you know the impact the desired impact of interest rate increases are flowing through and you know markets um reflect that in you know reacting positively yeah reacting positively to it it's counterproductive isn't it Mm -hmm. sometimes Mm -hmm. um you know how markets actually react and 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 largely irrelevant (laughs) a lot of the time as well but Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's all up and some people might be surprised to hear that and quite often some of our clients that we're talking to on a um Mm -hmm. you know daily basis uh you know still lagging the information and looking at things you know from a couple of months ago yeah well they're you know they're getting their annual report from their super fund which shows that there was a negative return last yep. in the last twelve months. Yep. But the last twelve months is actually the twelve months to the end of June. Yeah, that's so exactly we're, right. Yeah, you know, five to six months behind there. Um, it's so, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, what would people be seeing in their super funds over the last fortnight as a result of what's happened in the markets? There would have would have been an increase in in price. Yep. Okay. There would have been an increase in value of the super funds on paper. Yep. Um, that's just a. Function of um, yeah, well, a large portion of most people's superannuation is invested into Australian and international share markets, yep. and if they're up, um, it follows that the super balance will be up. Yep. Talking about share markets, actually, mm. um, not so good news. Mm. Um, 
the Charlie Munger, uh, Warren Buffett's business partner, mm-hmm. passed away a couple of days ago, um, age 99. Wow. So a couple of months short of, was well, one month short of his 100th birthday. Mm. So, yeah, people, people, you know, listeners to the podcast would have heard me bang on about Charlie and Warren in the past, mm. um, you know, and arguably, arguably being seen as the most successful investors in the world. Mm. Um, yeah, so, so that's, you know. It's that's, sad that's, news. It's sad uh, news. How, it's old how age. How old is Warren Buffett? I think Warren is... Early nineties, I think okay. they're seven years young, younger than each other. I, I, yeah, yeah. They, they are seven years younger than each other. So whatever that makes him. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yeah. So it's just yeah, it's just um, yeah, it's 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 just crazy to think you know mm-hmm. that 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 he was a powerhouse you know and and Warren Buffett would say that you know he absolutely influenced every mm-hmm. element of strategy of Berkshire Hathaway mm-hmm. um, and has obviously touched and influenced millions um, of investors out there. For a novice such as myself, um, who, 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 what ownership um, percentage does uh, Warren have now, um, and what did Charlie have in in Berkshire Hathaway? Oh, hmm. Sorry, that's a question. No, no, notice. it's um, a good, it's a good, is a is a damn good question. Um, they should both be richer than what they are. So it's hmm. funny when you look at the Forbes richest people in the world. Hmm. Um, they've given given away so much wealth that they've actually you know fallen on they, they've hmm. fallen on that bracket you know yeah. it's easy to think why aren't they the richest they should be the richest well yeah. they probably would be if they haven't given billions of dollars away over time anyway yeah. um so i think charlie ended up with a net worth of you know <laughs> I, I say it off the cuff i think it was you know th- three or four billion dollars yeah. um i think is warren's is yeah, yeah three or four billion dollars yeah. including the stock in the company is yeah. that all exactly. yeah. <laughs> um but he's given away so much stock in that mm. company over time that's why his net worth is that I think Warren's is a little bit sorry not a little bit higher it's significantly higher than that it might be closer to you know 40 or 50 billion dollars mm-hmm. okay. um, but he hasn't his pledge is to give away the wealth on his death whereas mm-hmm. Charlie's pledge was to give his wealth away you know throughout his life his yeah, yeah yeah so that's what's that's what's occurred and that's why this you know they're both founding basically mm-hmm. founding partners why is one worth much less mm-hmm. than the other well that's really they're the reason philosophy, yeah, yeah yeah that's that's really the reason but yeah it's a bit, it's a bit sad but mm-hmm. you know 99 that, at the end of the day that's a good innings and, mm-hmm. and I'm sure he would he would say that mm, absolutely uh, property what's property been doing um Resident, when we talk property, we talk residential property, mm-hmm. don't we? And we're, we're generally talking about you know, direct residential property rather than pooled property. So mm-hmm. um, seems to be still reasonably buoyant. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, can't, can't see. And listen, the big pockets are just about everywhere that have different um, you know, behavioural traits. But yep. um, I can't see that there's been a softening um, in the last three to six months. I think... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just it's interesting to observe, mm. and then it's on on top of that, it's interesting to see what banks and lenders are predicting for the next twelve, mm. twenty four months. Mm. And I sort of go, yeah, you got it, you got it so wrong last time. <laughs> probably, probably just going to ignore ignore whatever your predictions are. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and again, it's easy for people out there to. Um, you know, think the property might be a little bit depressed or negative at the moment. 
but they're obviously lagging um, what's occurring because, you know, we, we saw that having Andrew on, on, on the podcast. People have sort of pegged themselves with this perception that there might be a bit of a, a crash um, or, a, or it's what it was sort of 12 to 18 months ago when mm. interest rates first sort of put that uncertain, you know, that increase started ticking up and that uncertainty came into the market. People sort of backed off a little bit, even though lending was still relatively cheap. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just interesting to sort of observe what's happened. We're having a conversation with the fund manager earlier this week in our day jobs, mm-hmm. um, and you know we're talking about interest rates, and it's interesting just to watch you know the conversation around interest rates. You know what are they doing? They're going up, down, this, that, and I often just sort of say to people, and I'm not proposing or you know touting to be some specialist or anything like that. I'm mm-hmm. I'm absolutely not when it comes to the economics of things, but I like to look at averages and long-term trends and interest rates are basically sitting at or around long-term trends. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. so... so and it's sort of normalised, sort of hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what was, you know, I, I, I said it a lot, 2%, 1.5%, that was unnormal. Um, that wasn't that wasn't the norm. So things are things are back to normal. The world's not fallen off a cliff, um, you know. So yeah, it's just just sort of interesting to watch it pan out from mm. the sidelines a little bit. Yes, there's certainly pockets of what I what I've highlighted a few times. So there are pockets where, and you've alluded to this. There's that wealth inequality. Mm. You know, um, there are people absolutely under strain, mm-hmm. um, and there are people that are doing better than ever. Mm. And you know, it's that wealth inequality that exists um, ac- across the spectrum. Yeah. Um, inflation. I was looking at some numbers yesterday with a colleague, and um, inflation's down. You're trending down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably a good thing um, further. Yep. You know, so um, that probably brings a little, you know, keeps a little bit of confidence. Yeah. Um, you know, flowing through in into January and February when we when we see we see. Mm-hmm. So you know that if, if that trend continues, there's probably an expectation that rates will stay on hold in February when the next yep. announcement is made. Um, oh, sorry, the next announcements announcements in December, um, and then we don't have another one until. Um, February. Um, yep. So if they if they stay on hold in December, you'd expect that confidence would continue through into the sort new year. Through. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but who knows? We don't. <laughs> we, 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 <laughs> we, we don't. We can just talk about it. Yeah, we? that's exactly right. Okay. You know, have you had any wins for the fortnight in uh, your financial planning day job? <coughs> Not really any specific. Well, I mean, I guess they're mm. wins. Mm. You know, you get to meet with you know lots of interesting people and have mm. lots of great and interesting conversations. I haven't necessarily solved. Um, you know, any d- done any financial wizardry um, outside of what I'm normally doing when mm. I'm meeting, just you know, normal, just yeah, normal just my normal <laughs> normal wizardry uh, <laughs> with my bond. Um, no, I had the pleasure of meeting um, a ex service veteran um, who is way older than uh, sorry, way um, older than what he looks. Um, you know, ex Vietnam War vet, um, special air services regiment guy. And I've just, you know, I was just, um, I've got quite an interest in the Vietnam mm. War. So I actually got a, you know, quite, that's, you know, in terms of studying history when I was younger, that's mm. where I had a lot of knowledge, I've got a lot of knowledge of it. And it was so interesting to sit down and talk to this gentleman and just be humble by mm. the conversation. Mm. I don't think we really talked about financial planning stuff much, mm. um, but the trust was certainly built, mm. um, you know, and, and, you know, he's most likely going to come on board. I, I, I certainly hope he does, but it was just... It was just so interesting, um, the conversation. And, you know, I always like talking to older older people, mm. um, 
75 is not really that old. And he certainly didn't give off the vibe that he was old. Mm. This, this is a 75-year-old that rides 15 k's every day to and from work, yeah, okay. um, bearing in mind. Mm. Um, but he, he said to me, he said, I've got a life lesson for you, Luke, or a life quote. I said, I, I said yeah, what is it? And he said to me, life can be unpredictable and brief, and both will often occur at the same time. And I thought, that's a, I thought that is a classic. Mm. I said, you know, who better to um, mm. who better to sort of you know pass some of that wisdom on? So yeah, that was, it was just it was honestly um, you know just a really enjoyable meeting to have mm. um, you know and just get to talk talk to this person. Yeah, it's a real honour. And from what you told me about the meeting, that there there are some financial oh. matters that need need fixing and attending to that Absolutely. That, um, that you'll be able to get onto. Yeah, that's good. You know, as you know, and and we all know that every person, every couple that mm. we talk to is different, and you know, they've and got a story. They've all got a story, yep. and it's really that's one of the things I really like about my work mm. is that I get to hear those stories. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, um, and be involved in them. Yeah, you know, so. Um, the, you, the one that I, I picked out uh, for the fortnight uh, just relates to a professional medical couple. Um, so mm-hmm. a couple who uh, who are both in the medical profession, um, approaching a stage where they're looking to just sort of start to wind down. Mm-hmm. Okay, so not fully retire. You know, in, in their profession and in what they do, they probably see that they could do that and want to do that for many years to come. Yet, but they're at a stage where they're looking to just maybe do it on their terms a yeah, bit yeah. more. Yep. Um, so yeah, they, well, they've been um, clients of the business for quite some time, um, and we're just reaching that point of helping them structure that and and. Um, and, and build towards and their, hold their, their hand through that process. Yeah, hold their hand yeah. through that process because you know, they're very intelligent, um, very nice, um, you know, professional couple, but they know medical stuff, but they don't, they don't really know financial <laughs> stuff. Um, yep. And you know you wouldn't expect them to because they're they're busy and um, and it's hard to to find and garner new knowledge um, and then have the trust in what you've gathered to implement it so yeah. so yeah we, we were able to just take advantage of um, an opportunity um, around the superannuation um, access laws what are they called um, um, conditions pres- of release pres- yeah, yeah conditions yeah. of release preservations um, yep. to enable um, the superannuation of one of the members of the couple to be firstly accessed uh, and we use some of the funds to pay down their mortgage. Yep. Okay, because a mortgage at interest rates of six and a half percent at the mm-hmm, moment was mm-hmm. causing them a little bit of stress. Mm-hmm. Not that they couldn't afford it, but it, you know, just feeling the pressure yeah, of, um, yeah. on cash flow. Yeah. Um, so we we made the decision jointly that it would be a reasonable um, uh, decision to take money out of super to pay down the debt and free up about seventy eight thousand dollars worth of cash flow per year. Yeah. Nice. Um, we're then able to take the superannuation of that member of the couple, um, set up a tax-free pension with the remaining money, and then utilise the $78,000 of freed-up cash flow towards tax-effective investment that will um, build their assets for retirement. Back up, yeah. yeah. As well as allowing um, him to Work on cut, cut, cut back a day a week. Yep. And the cutting back a day a week enabled him to meet the condition of release. He's over 60 and he was ceasing an employment condition, yep. an employment arrangement. Um, 
And off the back of that was the um, long-term retirement planning projections yep. to show what the steps would be into the future yep. um, to eventually get to the full yep. retirement and, yep. um, and live out their lives comfortably. Yep. That's so, a, that's yeah, a, that's a great win. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, some people might be out there thinking, oh, well, you know, you should be keeping as much money invested in superannuation, mm-hmm. you know, because that's where it's best kept. And, you know, mm-hmm. Stephen and yeah, I have yeah. spoken about that yeah. in the past. But mm-hmm. you've got to remember, the theory is one thing. Mm-hmm. The practical, you know, the practical um, implementation of it, and the human on the other side of the conversation is another thing. Mm, um, yeah. And so that is quite often the meshing of the two mm. in in the day job, isn't mm. it? Yeah. Um, it certainly is. Yeah. Now, go back twelve months ago, and that strategy may not have been the right strategy. Mm-hmm. With if the mortgage is sitting at two percent, that may may not have been the right strategy. Or, because, or yeah. it may have been. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was the genie on their back yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And and so, you know, that that that's the type of conversation that you eke out and you get mm. to understand when mm. you have the you know, you get to build the relationship and mm. you mm. and you know how they think you know how they're thinking. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, it's it's yeah, yeah. It's powerful. I I predict a win um, this afternoon. We're seeing you and I are seeing um, a couple together. Mm-hmm. And, um, you predict a win. I predict a win, right? And this is what I'm predicting. Okay. Um, I'm predicting they've come in and the purpose of the meeting is that they want to change their super, yep. their superannuation. Mm-hmm. Now, I know um, that there will be more to it than that, mm-hmm. and that um, superannuation is just one part of a person's wealth the and, bigger picture. and retirement yep. picture. Um, and I can almost predict that we're, even if we don't do any formal work, mm-hmm. that there'll be a conversation around superannuation is a part of your of your future but what do you want to achieve yep and they will at least have some clarity around what they need to be thinking about leading into a retirement yep rather than just pinpointing it as being our super needs to do better <laughs> i don't even know what the super fund is whether it does need to yeah, do better yeah, yeah. But, it's um, it's a funny it's a mm. funny um it's exactly right you mm. know but you and i bang on about it all the time we don't really care mm. um it's when do you want to stop work? When do you mm. want to wind down? Mm. And how much do you actually need? Mm. They're, mm. They're, the, they're the key things. And, mm. you know, everything else flows off the back of that. Mm. Yep. Um, so there you go. There's a predicted win. Next fortnight, uh, let's uh, let's talk about whether bring it up. the result. Are we, and next there. fortnight will be our last, I assume, our last for the year. For the year. Yep. yep. Um, whilst we have a Money Men break. Cool. Okay. So what are we talking wins. about? We're talking about today we're going to have a bit of a chat about Gold. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had a chat about gold in the past, but I thought we'd have another chat about gold. Um, we didn't get to it last fortnight. Uh, the bank of mum and dad is the next is another topic, yep. and then uh, the ideal retirement age is uh, part three. I don't know whether we'll get through all of that, yeah, but we... um, we're twenty minutes, almost twenty minutes in now, so we've got because we're just yacking on, Steve. Yeah, That's what we got do. A, we've got another twenty minutes to get through this, so let's just <laughs> talk about gold. About gold, all right? So because you had an article from last fortnight that um, really annoyed you, I think um, yeah. that you found not really annoyed you. It, you it saw it, and, and... It, just, it just pops up from time to time, yeah. and um, and I don't know what it is. Uh, it, it, it's Probably around the fact that markets, you know, towards the end of September and October were sort of share markets were sort of floundering, not floundering, but were down a bit. Um, and when that happens, there's always there always seems to be the gold conversation, you know. So the share markets are no good. <coughs> Invest in gold instead because gold's good. Yeah. Why is gold good? I don't know. No one can really ever explain that to me. Um, 
But what often happens is that um, when there's uncertainty globally, yep. that there seems to be a flee to, like, in inverted commas, safe haven investments yeah. um, such <laughs> as gold, right? Um, and throughout the course of October, and I, I haven't looked at November, but throughout the course of October, the spot price of gold rose by about 8%. Right. Um, and so you needed to be in it at that point in time to get that 8%. Yeah, yeah. Um, not much point. Um, Being in it not, after. Not have, not have <laughs> been in it, you know. So, um, But, you know, what... You know, what happens with gold? You know, what is gold? It's a sort of an odd investment, mm. you know, I think, in that. It's just a lump of stuff, isn't it? Yes, it's a materi- what, material. Yeah, it's a material, um, yeah. And, and it's often pegged against different asset classes, mm. um, you know, whether it be cash, mm. shares, property. Yeah. And all those asset classes actually have what you and I know mm. as intrinsic value yeah. and, and be, being the fact that they can generate income. Yeah, so gold, gold can't generate income. You know, you can't sit a lump of yeah. gold there and then have it pay you money. Yeah, but I can shave a little bit of my gold off, Steve, and, you know, go and cash it in and pay the transaction fees to get some money out of it and yeah, then go yeah. and spend it. Yeah, you could, but you're <laughs> using the capital. You're using the lump. You know, yep. The lump gets smaller. The lump gets smaller. Um, so, you know, what, you know, investing in gold is, is a bet that you think that gold will be worth more tomorrow than it was today. Yeah. That's really all, all it is, isn't it? There's no, the success of the investment relies purely on there being someone in the future um, who thinks that they could buy it from you and it will rise further. Um, there's this misconception that gold is just this very solid, stable investment mm-hmm. um, that just... Um, Grow steadily. Um, a store of wealth, yeah. almost yeah. that's gonna that's gonna just you know um, stand the test of time. Hmm. But if you look at a chart around you know gold prices, we love um, our charts. Yeah. Um, then they're just as volatile, or possibly even more volatile at times than share market charts, yep. um, because the rush, of, not the rush, but yeah, the rush to gold usually occurs when. Share markets are down. Generally, seems to be yeah, the yeah. case. Yeah, generally over time. So, um, yeah. So I, I just sort of wanted to get it off my chest and, and vent a bit that um, gold isn't the solid, stable, short-term investment that everyone thinks it no. is, and potentially doesn't even get the the same sorts of returns as you know a vanilla investment in share markets. It's interesting because there was a, the the um, you found the the not the article the um, the segment on a on a morning morning program about hmm. gold, hmm. and the person um, spruiking not spruiking the person discussing the gold against things like shares and cash hmm. had recently been to some gold forum hmm. yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. and was and was then talking about gold but. The, the the chart that, that was pulled up, and I don't even know the accuracy of the chart. I'm sure mm. you could you could pull some of it apart if you mm. really wanted to. But it basically pegs cash, shares, and gold against each other, saying yeah. that for the last 15 years, gold has performed at a rate of 6.71 percent, and shares have performed in Australia at a rate of 7.4 percent. And that was from the 8th of October 2008 to the 30th of September 2003. Now we know in a very short time, gold increased. Basically, mm. between you know, you know, call it early 2023 and mm-hmm. and and September of 2023, yep. and shares decreased. Yep. The shares have still outperformed over that 15-year period. So that's an important note. Mm. 
And I'm sure if you pulled those more recent performance reports, you'd probably have something like 8.5% versus 6%. for shares. For shares versus 6% for gold. Mm. But but that's over 15 years. And I sort of say, well, you know, is 15 years a long enough time horizon to compare the two? And some people might say, yeah, it is, or Mm. no, it's not. But getting back to Warren Buffett and Charlie Mm. Munger, Warren and Charlie in their, uh, I think it was their 2018 letter to shareholders, noted that if he was to invest $10,000 in gold in 1942 when he first made his first stock investment versus investing $10,000 into an S&P 500 index share market fund, Mm -hmm. bearing in mind there wasn't an S&P 500 share market fund at that point in time, but you could have said you bought a diversified portfolio of shares and Mm -hmm. really really didn't do much other than reinvest the dividends. What do you think the two are worth? Look, you know, and I've shown you rates of return of gold of around 6% versus 7% for shares mm-hmm. over 15 years. But what mm-hmm. do you think the two are worth up until 2018 from uh, 1942? The, ten, uh, the, the gold, $10,000. What's that, a 50-year period? Is it 60-year period? 60-year period. Yeah. And, uh, a million. No. no? What, what do you think the shares are worth? The $10,000 invested in shares in 1942. This is uh, Warren Buffett using this example. Yeah, so I, can, I don't know. A lot yeah. of money. Yeah. It's $51 million mm-hmm. in shares, mm-hmm. $400,000 in the gold investment. Yeah. So what... And the power has been not just the price movement, but the income being paid and reinvested yeah. over so, time. Yeah. So, so there's a, there is no comparison between good quality businesses... Mm and a, lump of um, a nice shiny lump of metal mm-hmm. yeah. um, as a store of wealth, as a long-term investment. Mm-hmm. There is no comparison. And there is no comparison because there is no intrinsic value. Gold mm-hmm. can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can actually get access to gold by not even buying gold. Yeah, so if you, if you have investments, a broad-based investment in the Australian, top 200 Australian companies, mm-hmm. by default, you're investing in gold in mining. Gold mining. Okay, so you've got exposure to that gold market. That you know? gold mm. demand. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> gold mm. is a gen- is a material actually used in mm. you know some components of mm. you know electronics mm. and things like that. But yeah. but you know that's different to you know sitting sitting on it. <laughs> so nine of the of the top two hundred companies um, have gold mining in their operations, yep. um, and the nineteenth and twentieth largest companies are gold miners. Um, so a diversified share portfolio has exposure to gold anyway. Right? So you're, you're sort of getting that. But mm. anyway, won't rattle on too much about it. But um, I just so, don't, to so is the message: don't own the gold, own the shares. Because I, Warren Buffett's clearly telling me that message in fifty-one million dollars versus four hundred thousand. Yeah, potentially don't. I own the gold, I own the company that is (laughs) pulling it out of the ground. Yeah, (laughs) obviously, Steve and I have to be careful with what we say, but I mean, you know, you just got to be very clear and, you know, understand why you're holding something, why you might even be investing in something and, Mm. and, you know, inverted commas when you say investing into gold. Mm. Yeah. And comparing to a different asset classes. Anyway, is it enough? Are we that's enough. Are we gold it out. Gold. Yep. Um, well, I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah, you know, that you should that you have gold if you decide that you want to buy some gold. But yeah, you know, don't don't bet the house on it. You know, don't make it your sole strategy. In my view. Yep. Okay. Um, the bank of mum and dad. Mm-hmm. 
what what does what do you what does that mean to you when I say that? <laughs> what does it mean to me? Mm. Uh, it means mum and dad pay for the kids' things mm-hmm. when they're born and mm. and, and and until they die. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, yeah. and, that's the bank of mum and dad. Yeah, and then more specifically, it's around parents helping out their kids financially when the kids are adults. Yep. Okay. And it's become, you know, with a rising cost of things and um, the the rising cost of housing especially, Yep. Um, it's become more commonplace now for parents to give money, lend money or... Um, lend out the equity in their home or you know, yep. um, security security against the home via a, you know, a, a family mortgage or something like that yep. to help the kids um, get into the property market so that's generally what we're talking about with the mum the and bank dad of, the bank, bank of mum and, and dad. dad it is the kids um, relying on mum and dad to provide financial support to you know, get in the property market yep. Yeah, so that's what we're talking about here. Which so. is which is your mm. point, mm. and depending on who you ask and what you look at, is becoming more hard. Mm. Is becoming harder to get into. Mm. Um, not to make this, not to um, to divert the conversation, but I also think, as time goes on, people's standards change. Standards and expectations around what they want have changed. And it could be argued that that's why things are more expensive. Mm. So, so I'm not going to get in. I'm not going to get into that argument. But there's, there's certainly there's certainly um, an element where mum and dad are that bank to assist with adult children to um, you know make a step into the property market. And you know, I guess we see that mm. reasonably commonly. Mm. Um, you know, and and at, and at varying degrees. You know, it's small gifts and mm. and, and, and you know. And, and then sometimes it's really, really big gifts. Yeah. So one of the common common um, things we see is that um, the son, say the son, the son and his partner um, want to buy a house. They haven't been able to accumulate the deposit that they need, um, can service a loan but don't have the deposit. So they go to the parent, parents and ask the parents to allow a mortgage to be taken over the parents' property mm-hmm. um, for generally you know, 20% of the value of the loan. Right? That's called, it's called a family guarantee. Yep. Um, so the parents don't have to make the loan repayments, but the parents have to provide security in the form of part of their house um, for the, the loan to be able to be taken out by mm-hmm. a child. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that all seemed hunky-dory. Uh, Mum and dad own the house. Um, you know, they, you know, they don't... You know, particularly need That's any more money. They don't need, they don't they don't need, need to, to borrow, do anything. They don't need to borrow any more money against the house. They just hand their title over to the bank. Hand, hand the title over to the bank. Okay, so that's all well and good. Um, and the intention is generally, you know, in a couple of years' time, when the value of the child's house has gone up, um, they'll renegotiate the loan and um, give mum and dad uh, and release the, the the mortgage for mum and dad. But sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes mum and dad um, might need to do something with their home, maybe sell it and downsize, mm-hmm. or maybe sell to go into care, mm-hmm. or whatever that may be. However, it causes problems if there is a mortgage on the property, um, because big problems, big problems, because the lender would yeah they're allowed to sell the property, but they have to give twenty percent 
of the child's loan. Yeah, yeah. You know, whatever was guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if that was $100,000, then yes, yeah, parents can sell the property for 900000 but they get, you know, they only get eight hundred yeah. because they've got to get 100000 yep. into the in the child's mortgage. So um, it's important to understand that what might, might make sense now may cause a block in the future. Right? So I'm not, I'm not saying that parents shouldn't help their kids out, but what I'm saying is that... Um, Parents and children should be mindful of unintended consequences yep. of helping out now. Yeah, it's stepping through those third and fourth order consequences of some of these, you know, yep. um, strategies that might appear good on the surface, but when you dig down and sort of step through, you know, mm. what's a likely retiree going to do over the next five or ten years? Mm. Um, how, how does it work? And you know that that your 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 point was well the parents moving but you know what happens if the children can't repay the mortgage mm-hmm. you know what if there's issues there um what if interest rates go up significantly over a short period of time you know like it has um it's actually the parent that is the guarantor and mm. and so remember that's who the bank come knocking on mm. um when things can't be you know because the, the kids can't pick up pick up the mess mm. you know yeah. so to speak but yeah. yeah it's interesting i think the average i was reading the other day the average gift for this is the average value of gift for housing um deposits in australia for children mm-hmm. um i didn't specify whether it's first home buyers or not mm. um is 93,000 yeah. I think it was which yeah that'd be around about right that'd be the, the 10% deposit wouldn't it See, <laughs> you know? it's interesting though isn't it Steve because you know with so many of the so many of the um, incentives around first home buyers these days and what the government will allow you to do around you know um, LMI guarantees yeah, okay. and stuff like that it's actually not so much the the the, the the deposit mm. actually isn't that important. It's mm. the serviceability, which mm. is understandably um, constrained at times, but just purely because someone gifted you ninety thousand dollars on a you know seven or eight hundred thousand dollar purchase, that's actually not going to change your ability to service the loan too mm. much. Um, like yeah. you know, being, it will a little bit, yeah. but not 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 entirely. So just, we we think I think I think parents who are going to gift just don't understand what interacts with what so mm. hey a big lump sum of money is going to solve your problems may not mm. it actually may not um there, there's more to the issue when it comes to you know buying a first home and things like that Absolutely. but yeah sorry i i, yeah. I um got and, to... yeah, but parents, parents always need to be mindful that they need to fund their own retirement too so you know <laughs> if they're giving, giving away large lumps of lumps of money to children that can potentially affect their ability to outlast their money um and, you know, I've, I've come across and I've seen, you know, instances where families have come up with great ideas, you know, where maybe to get into the property market, mum and dad buy a property with two daughters, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. they're all in the title and they decide that one day they're going to sell it and they'll all share in the upside, right? But what happens if one of the daughters wants to buy their own first home to live in, Right fine they could possibly still do that um except that they're not going to be able to get first homeowners grant mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they're already mm-hmm. owner of a property mm-hmm. you know those sorts of unintended consequences can occur so yep. i think it's always good if families are potentially going down that path that they get some sort of um, third party independent advice around at least what to look for or look out for that could potentially impact them in yeah, the future. Yeah, be on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And no one's got a crystal ball and, mm-hmm. and, you know, that that no one can have a crystal ball. But, it, you know, there are certain things where if you go with your eyes open, you're going to make some better decisions. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's what we say all the time, isn't it? Do your research, you know. Um, seek, seek advice from another party or get online and search the pros and cons of um, gifting money to my children. You know, yeah. that'll, that'll pull you up probably a million to, to, to $10 million, $10 million search. You might, leave, yeah. you might leave more confused. Um, or ask chat GPT. <laughs> But just to, just to reiterate, and we have on the past, if you give money to children, there's mm. no tax implications. Mm. Can yeah, we just yeah. clarify that as well? So, yeah, yeah. so no one gets confused with that because yeah, often yeah. it is. There's no gift tax as such. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we've got five minutes. So let's have a go at just talking quickly through the ideal age to retire. Mm. Um, now? We come a, yeah, <laughs> let's, uh, let's uh, knock it over in four and a half minutes, eh? No, uh, I mean, what's oh, the ideal oh, age oh, for now, retirement yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> what, that's what many people who come to see I know, me say. I know. You know but, uh, when do you want to retire? Tomorrow? Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, but um, what is the ideal age? Well, the ideal age generally, you know, when it boils down to it, is when you can, you know, um, with the lifestyle that is um, you know, acceptable to you yeah. within reason. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was interesting, Vanguard um, Australia, which is um, the fund manager that, um, that we like, you know, yep. they, they, they use a lot of, uh, they provide a lot of index style funds um, that we find is good for most people. Um, but they've done, they've, they've done some research on this and, um, and basically when you ask different age group what groups what the ideal age is for retirement mm-hmm. or when they would want to retire, mm-hmm. um, it varies. Um, what a surprise. Yeah, so if you, you know, the, across the cohort of 18 to 34-year-olds, mm-hmm. they're thinking on average that the ideal realistic retirement age is 60, just under 60. If you ask 35 to 54-year-olds, it's 62. Mm-hmm. And if you ask people who are over 55, it's 65. Yep. So that's interesting. Um, and it's... It's uh, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so, so young people are always saying to me. So some people who come to see me when they're in their twenties or thirties, mm-hmm. um, they're all they'll always say they want to retire in their fifties. Yeah, they, yeah and it's reflected always, in that yeah. data there yeah. because if the av- as yeah. you pointed out, it was fifty nine point five was the mm-hmm. average yeah. age between eighteen and thirty four. So that basically says the majority of them are answering the question under sixty, hmm. <laughs> yeah. which which is yeah seems obvious, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but then over time, I think what people um, tend to understand is that stopping work completely mm-hmm. um, isn't always ideal. No. Mm. Um, for some people it is, for some yeah, people some it people, isn't. But, yeah. but also um, it's really hard to have the discipline at a young age to be doing the right things to build your assets to the point where you will actually be able to retire at 59.5. Yep. yep. Wanting to and being able to are two different things. Yep. Um, because, you know, there are cars to buy, careers to build, children to build <laughs> and grow and, yep. and, you know, mortgages to pay off yeah. and, yep. and uh, the cost of life. Yep. Um, and um, long-term plans can go by the wayside, which means that by the time people get to their mid 30s to 50s, they're sort of realising that it, hey, it'd still be great to retire at 59 and a half, but hey, I'm, if I do, I'm probably not going to have a good lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. I need to, I need yeah. to make some adjustments. Yeah. And then as people are moving into their 50s, um, that becomes even more obvious to them that yeah. to have the lifestyle that they yeah. want, then they're going to have to go a bit longer yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah. 
Um, anyway, we could rattle on about that for, for ages. We but could. It, for, for me, it, it just sort of showed that um, it's good at a young age to have those dreams, but if they don't take action early and do the right smart things mm-hmm. along mm-hmm. the journey... Mm-hmm then expectations will have to be stretched out. Yeah, well, the, well, the, the compounding effect of a dollar invested in your 20s could be $88 when you're 60. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so if you spend that dollar on something else, you mm-hmm. have foregone yeah. $88 in the future. Yeah. And so if you don't, and it's not easy to make those sacrifices, but if you don't make those sacrifices, you do not have the advantage of time to do all that heavy lifting for mm-hmm. you. Because the further down you go to the end of the track, you know, if you're saving that dollar in your 50s, that's only really worth $8 when you're 60. Um, so, so for all you 18 to 34-year-olds out there listening, yep. next time you think that you're going to go out on a bender with your mates um, and spend 400 bucks on a meal in the pub. Right? What, what does that cost you in the end of the future? 400 times 88 is what? you got to calculate, yeah? $35,000. That night's going <laughs> potentially cost you $35,000. So, interesting way to look at it. It is it? an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, it's going to so, cost you thirty-five grand in the future. Yeah, so maybe only spend three hundred instead of four hundred, and at least at least get the, the at least you've got yeah. Well, at least you saved yourself yeah. eight thousand dollars or whatever it is. That's yeah. It, yeah, good way to think about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, Anyway, we're out, we're out of time. That's our 40 minutes Good up. Stuff. Um, thanks for joining me again. Thank you, everyone, again for listening. Yep. Um, spread the, the movement. Um, the Money Men movement. Give us a listen, give yeah. us a like, give us a share. That'd be really good. And um, we'll, we'll talk again in a fortnight. Awesome. See you later. Bye.